From Schwartz Media, I'm Kara Jensen-McKinnon. This is 7am. Australian law is far from perfect. Not only can it be unjust, in some cases it can be outdated and not fit to do what it was intended to do. The person responsible for maintaining our federal laws is the Attorney-General, and since the last election, that's been Mark Dreyfus. Today, National Correspondent for the Saturday Paper, Mike Seckham, on Mark Dreyfus, what drives him, and why he's willing to say Australia's recent treatment of refugees has been deliberately cruel. It's Tuesday, January 31. Mike, today we're talking about the law, and it's no secret really that Australian law is far from perfect in a bunch of areas. So tell me, just how important is it that we're constantly changing and updating our laws here? Well, of course it's important. Laws need looking at from time to time. They need updating because times change, right? Technology changes, attitudes change. So the legal system needs constant maintenance. Otherwise, we can run into substantial problems. If you think of something like the Privacy Act, for example, that governs our privacy and how you know companies and, and other people handle our information, well, it was written in a, almost in a pre-digital world. So you know, it needs constant maintenance to deal with simple technological change. Another example of that, the telecommunications legislation was written back in the days of fax machines. It clearly has to be updated because it ceases to be fit for purpose. And the person responsible for that, ultimately, and has a finger basically in every legal pie, is uh, is the Attorney General. Right. And that obviously sounds like a huge responsibility. And so, of course, after the election last year, we have a new Attorney General, Mark Dreyfus, and you actually chatted to him recently. So first, what's he like? And I suppose, more importantly, what does that tell you about the way he's going to be approaching updating our legal system? Uh, what's he like? He's a very interesting bloke. I've spoken to him quite a number of times in the past. But anyway, I put in the formal request for an interview. His office told me I could have maybe 20, 25 minutes. You know, he's pretty busy. No, no, we had that odd story uh, this week of the... We're talking about the weather, Mike. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm wasting our time. But let's get to, um, let's get to you, because, I mean, this... Um... As it turned out, we went for more than twice that long because he kept diving into the weeds of all the various things he wanted to do. You hear, uh, you hear the Prime Minister say, don't waste the day. And I, I believe that. I think that it's a privilege to be in government. I think that... No government lasts forever, and I'm not going to rush things, but equally I'm going to make sure we, we achieve things. You know, all attorneys general need to have a legal background. Dreyfus has a very eminent legal background, was a practising barrister for a long time, and to that extent he's really not a typical politician. You know, he was 50 years old before he first ran for parliament, so he isn't someone who came purely to politics through the political machine. In fact, his personal story is fascinating. The member for Isaacs. Mr Speaker, we all come to this place by varied paths. His father and grandparents, they were German Jews and they fled the Nazis. The story is that Dreyfus's dad had just turned 11. His family decided they had to get out. They sent the children first. They arrived at Station Pier in Melbourne in, 19, in July 1939. They were cared for in a home for Jewish children, and they did not know if they would see their parents again. And of course, most of the parents did not ever reunite with their kids. 
But Dreyfus's grandparents made it out and they got to Australia about six months later. Arriving in Australia as stateless persons in December 1939, they had failed to convince their parents to leave. Three of my German great-grandparents perished in the Holocaust. Dreyfus says he still has a copy of his grandfather's passport, which has a big J stamped on every page. So effectively a cancelled Jewish passport. And on his immigration arrival papers, he wrote stateless. So they were stateless people taken in by Australia. There are many Australian stories like mine. And that connection to that feeling of statelessness and that uncertainty, I suppose, of being able to stay in Australia, how do you think those feelings will inform how Mark Dreyfus will approach the role of Attorney General? Well, let me start by saying he expresses enormous gratitude to the Australian state for taking his family in. He reckons that literally he would never have been born otherwise because his father would have been dead in the Holocaust. As you might imagine, under these circumstances, Dreyfus is very, very uncomfortable with the way that Australia has treated refugees in more recent times. Some of the language used when we were talking, he said it was quite unthinkable and cruel. As you would be aware, refugees who arrive by boat are put on this sort of endless cycle of temporary visas. They're never really able to settle properly because their visas expire every few years, which means they could be shipped back whence they came at any moment. And they don't have a pathway to citizenship that Dreyfus's family had. It's an endless cycle of uncertainty. And he's very concerned about that. And Mike, Labor did inherit that system from the last government, a system which, as you say, keeps displaced people in limbo. But eight months after they were elected, there are refugees who are still waiting. So why hasn't Labor made it a priority to change the system? You're right, it was promised, it hasn't happened. It's not strictly his responsibility. The relevant ministers are Andrew Giles and Claire O'Neill who are respectively the Immigration and Home Affairs Ministers. But he certainly foreshadowed that there would be something coming in the months ahead, so it looks like change is imminent. As to why there's been a delay, I can't really tell you, but I can tell you this. Mark Dreyfus is clearly going to be pushing it very hard. We'll be back in a moment. As a a. 7am listener... You're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, I want to talk about what Attorney General Mark Dreyfus has inherited and what he is directly responsible for, because... We've talked about the legal system needing a lot of urgent maintenance, but why is that and how have these particular laws been allowed to become so outdated without being updated? Well, to put it bluntly, it's because the previous government didn't really do much. And this is a point that Dreyfus made. In fact, he drew a, an interesting distinction, I think, between the Howard government, which did a lot of stuff which he didn't like, 
but at least he says they were competent at doing what they did, whereas this previous government was not particularly competent. And I think we can see that in the three attorneys general that preceded Dreyfus. And, you know, this isn't just my opinion. I've spoken to various legal experts who trace kind of a downward arc of competence. President, people do have a right to be bigots, you know. In a free country, people do have rights to say things that other people find offensive or insulting or bigoted. We started with George Brandis, QC, who was um, a reasonably competent lawyer. But what Brandis did was he started removing the sort of due diligence processes that surrounded appointments to various bodies for which the Attorney-General is responsible, things like Administrative Appeals Tribunal, Human Rights Commission, things like that. I felt that the political impartiality of the Commission had been fatally compromised. The attorney, George Brandis, there giving his explanation for some of the hubbub surrounding Commissioner Gillian Tree. And then he was followed by Christian Porter, who was not as good. Do you now apologise for putting this flawed system in place? Well, the system was flawed. I'm not going to use that word because there's litigation ongoing and as Attorney-General, I can't use th that sort of language in the context of litigation. You but can't apologise because of the process. And he was followed in turn by Michaelia Cash, who um, is not impressive at all. I mean, I challenge you to point out which one of those 19 new appointments are not qualified. Well, let's go through that if you want to raise that. If you raise that issue. And so instead of focusing on what needed to be done, the previous government just spent a lot of time parachuting people into positions on these bodies. And the bottom line was that a lot of the bodies became quite dysfunctional. You know, if you look at things like the Human Rights Commission, the Administrative Appeals Tribunal, they just ceased to function efficiently. As Dreyfus points out, during that almost 10 years that the previous government was in power, we had a lot of recommendations and reviews, you know, from parliamentary committees, from the Law Reform Commission, from various experts suggesting what needed to be done, but they just weren't acted on. And so these reviews just piled up unaddressed. For example, you know, and he gives the former government some credit for this, they did establish through the Law Reform Commission the largest ever review of the Family Law Act since it was passed back in 1975. And Dreyfus told me that what the former government got back was, quote, terrific, lengthy, detailed report with 60 recommendations, and the government did nothing with it, just sat on it. But the big one, obviously, with the Administrative Appeals Tribunal, was the stacking with partisan appointees. You know, something like 65, 75, I think it was. You know, ex-Liberal Party staffers, people with close links to the party, appointed often without legal or even administrative background. So, essentially, it became dysfunctional with a huge backlog of cases. OK, and so just how big of a problem has Mark Dreyfus inherited there at the Administrative Appeals Tribunal, the AAT, and what are his plans to fix it? Well, it's a mess. It worked very well for two or three decades and was supported on a bipartisan basis. The original legislation, I think, was drafted by the Whitlam government, which was Labor, brought in by the Fraser government, which was Liberal, and worked well in dealing with people's problems outside the court system. So if, for example, you know, you're um, looking for a disability benefit and you've been denied for some reason, you can take it there. And it's not as legally complex or expensive as taking it to the courts, for example. So it's kind of a clearinghouse for people who have complaints. There's a whole section of it that deals with migration appeals, for example. But now because of a mix of factors, you know, the appointees who I've mentioned who aren't up to the job, a lack of resourcing, 
And also, in many cases, what was supposed to be a relatively quick and simple process, the government made it extremely complicated, which contributed to the backlog. There's something like 58,000, I think it is, pending migration appeals. There's thousands of appeals from people with disability waiting to hear whether they're going to get the care that they're after. It's a big one and it has to be fixed. And in the short term, Dreyfus's plan is to appoint 75 new members to the tribunal to help clear the backlog and to provide additional funds and to make some reforms that will sort of streamline the process. But essentially, the damage that's been done to the body is kind of irreparable. Once tribunal's members are appointed, they can't be sacked. So the only way to get rid of the problem is to essentially abolish the whole tribunal, start over, let people reapply for positions as tribunal members, and hopefully that will fix it. It's a big ask, but he's determined to do it, and he's assured me that there should be a replacement operating next year, which would be an extraordinarily big undertaking. Yeah, that would be an incredible undertaking if Mark Dreyfus could actually pull it off. But, you know, it's clear Mark Dreyfus is someone who's thought long and hard while sitting on the opposition benches about the kinds of reform our law needs. He certainly got stuck into a lot of that stuff already. But of course, at the end of the day, what will decide whether a lot of these reforms happen is politics. So do you think Dreyfus is actually going to be able to pull all of this off in the time that he's got? Or is there a risk that the government just gets caught up in being re-elected? Could things like those better outcomes for refugees and, and people with a disability at the AAT, will those things just slip down Dreyfus's to-do list as we get closer to the next election? Uh, short answer, I don't think so. But your broader point's correct. You know, we've only talked about a few items on Dreyfus's to-do list. So it's hard to see him getting all of those through in a single term of parliament. But these are pretty propitious times for reform. You know, progressive forces, not just Labor, but the Greens, most of the independents are progressive-minded. They control both houses of parliament. So there's not much chance of a big conservative roadblock, I don't think. So in things like the AAT, that's going to happen. The National Anti-Corruption Commission, which um, the legislation went through towards the end of last year, Dreyfus thinks he'll have that up and running by the middle of next year. No doubt some things will be pushed off into the future, but he's a man in a hurry. And I mean that in the best sense because, you know, he's terribly committed to due process. And a lot of his reforms go to reinstituting due process that was junked by the previous government. But he's 66 now. He's in there to achieve as much as he can while he still can. And I think, actually, he could turn out to be a very significant reforming Attorney-General. And uh, it's been a long time since Australia's had one of those. Mike, thank you so much for your time. My great pleasure. Sloane Crosley is known for her funny and acerbic personal essays, but her new memoir digs much deeper to examine the loss of her best friend. Join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Sloane about Grief is for People. Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today, a coroner in Victoria has called for changes to bail laws saying that the, quote, Bail Act has a discriminatory impact on First Nations people, resulting in grossly disproportionate rates of remand in custody. The coroner was investigating the death of Veronica Nelson, an Indigenous woman who died in a Victorian prison after being refused bail. 
Victoria's bail laws were tightened after a man killed six people in Melbourne's CBD while on bail. But according to the coroner, those changes have been an unmitigated disaster, which result in accused people being held in jail for minor offences. And in the UK, the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, has fired the chair of his own Conservative Party. The chair, Nadeem Zahawi, has failed to declare that he was being investigated by Britain's main tax authority for underpayments. Zahawi was briefly the treasurer of the United Kingdom during the time he was being investigated. Sunak initially stood by Zahawi before ordering an investigation and now firing his party's chair. I'm Kari Jensen-McKinnon. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.